1: Hi, I'm Mike Crevy and you're listening to The Secrets of the Thin Red Line, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this movie. Joining me today on the panel are Andrew Hermes. Hi, Andrew. Hello there. And Thomas Sanjurjo. Hi, Thomas. Hello. And I did want to just give everybody a quick heads up. This is not a surprise Secrets of Star Wars episode where we're going to have, like, <laughs> Father Fed and Angela just jump on all of a sudden. So this is indeed... Um, all about the thin red line, this movie from, uh, 1998, that was when it was released. And, um, we're going to kind of unpack this. I just want to give a quick little programming note. There's so much we could do with this. What we want to do is basically split it into thirds tonight and kind of look at, uh, some background and kind of our first introduction to this film. Um, you know, when we first saw it, what our first impressions were, and then kind of dig into, uh, really at the heart of this episode, the deeper meanings of the movie, um, some of the themes, some of the aesthetic stuff, like, you know, particular, um, maybe more, you know, beautiful aspects of the filming, maybe the music, like just those kinds of things. Uh, and then really kind of bring it, uh, kind of to a close through some key takeaways, you know, really the enduring things, uh, that we really take away from this, things that we, uh, continue to, Unpack with it, and uh, and maybe a word on some advice on maybe who to recommend this to, maybe who not to recommend it to yet, or, or that kind of thing. um And you know, I'd be interested if we have time to think about how you guys suggest you know putting yourself in a position to really be able to take it all in. Because um, I think one thing we'll see if you know, people aren't familiar with this movie, it's not really a war film the way you typically think of it. <laughs> so, yeah, not at all. Yeah, right. it's a very different kind of movie. So, um. So just a quick word about the background here. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a 1998 film uh, written, directed, a screenplay written um, and then directed by a really legendary filmmaker, uh, Terrence or Terry uh, Malik. And uh, he was coming back to filmmaking after more or less 20 years of kind of doing some different things. And this was a big um, um, this was a big deal. There were a lot of uh, people in the film industry, you know, producers, uh, actors, all sorts of people who wanted to be part of this because he was making it. Um, and you get a lot of that when you read some of the trivia and some of the behind the scenes stuff. There's a lot of really mm. fun, <laughs> fun little tidbits there. Like my favorite. Yeah, thing I thought is It
2: was me- interesting to find out that oh, yeah. Woody Harrelson like stuck around like a month yeah. after uh, shooting just so he could <laughs> watch Terrence Malick work. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> and to imagine that too, like Woody Harrelson, just like following you around, you know, like, like just like, hey, what, are you, what are you doing over there? But Bruce Willis apparently wanted to pay you know, like airfare for all these people so he could come over and, and, you know, so there were people, a lot of people who auditioned for parts, people who thought they would maybe have parts who didn't, people who were in it, famously, who thought they had very big parts who then were barely in the movie. Um, So we'll get to some of that, you know, as we go. But the background of this is, you know, and it says it's based on James Jones's 1962 novel of the same name. I put loosely based because, uh, yeah. you know, that and to full disclosure, I don't know, but you guys, have you read the book at all i've read it you have okay i haven't read the book yeah yeah I, so i have not full disclosure my my window into this was really through this this film from the get-go uh but james jones was a world war ii vet uh he uh, witnessed pearl harbor he was at the battle of uh, guadalcanal which this book is is and uh, then the movie is based on um and he really was probably most famous for the um the book uh, from here to eternity which, uh, you know, he was sort of a struggling author after the war. And then uh, that was his first big breakout. And I forget what year they made it into a movie, but it was only like a, maybe a year or two later. Uh, that that classic, you know, World War Two movie. Um, so The Thin Red Line was a little less known. It was more uh, about his personal experiences or based on that uh, at the Battle of Guadalcanal. Um and really, it, it focuses specifically on the battle for Mount Austin, the Galloping Horse, and the Seahorse. So these are these three two or these three uh, uh, hills, these terrain features that were really instrumental in that battle. Uh, and the time frame for any of you World War II fans here, this is really during the Army phase uh, after the Marines had kind of made some initial um, you know gains in that that campaign. Uh, the Army came in from it was December 1942 up to the beginning of February 1943. Uh, that basically this is taking place. Um, so to that end, I mean, um, it's, it's very much, it's historically rooted. It's, it's very much, um, you know, accurate in a lot of ways to that setup. But as I mentioned, and this is where I want to kick it over to you guys, it's maybe not exactly what you expect when you go to see it. So, uh, uh Andrew, let me ask you first. So, what was your first experience with this like?
0: Yeah, my first experience with this film was, um, I was in college. Uh, I, I had just gone into terence malick um i remember in film school watching badlands as his, his first film and um really uh i really love that film um and uh watching the thin red line um you know i was like how did people miss this you know yeah. it, it was easily missed because if you look <laughs> back you know saving private ryan uh just came mm-hmm. out a few months uh, before i think and um like like we're going to talk about a lot, and like you already mentioned, this is not your typical war film. So, um, what what strikes me, what struck me most about the film, watching it for the first time, is is how amazing, first of all, the cinematography is, and how unique it is. Um, it, you know his his this this his like ongoing decision in every film that he makes to uh, intertwine nature uh, mm-hmm. with uh, you know humanity. Um, it, it really stunning. And, and, and if it's, it's, it's really, you know, a lot of people describe his films as this poetry, mm. um, and it, it, it might sound pretentious and, and, you know, I, and maybe to a lot of people it is, um, I, I do find, I don't like all of his films, you know, I, I do find some of his films really pretentious, but, um, I think this is his best work. Um, if I had to pick one and, um, because it looks, you know, going into this film, you're, you're you know, you're, you're thinking that you're going to get this sort of typical world war two, uh, type, uh, experience, but you know, you have all these monologues, these inner monologues that you're hearing, uh, asking these, you know, deep questions that a lot of films, a lot of mainstream films are afraid to ask. Uh, and something that interests me a lot, you know, was, was really intriguing and, uh, something that, uh, blew me away really the first time i watched it so uh, it it stuck with me and and watching it again for for this podcast uh it was it i had since it's been a long time since i watched it i Mm -hmm. i kind of had the same experiences again because it kind of reminded me of of the questions uh, that it was asking and um i can't you know give enough praise you know to this film well you know thomas how about you
2: Ah, uh, yeah, uh, very similar for me. I this was my senior year in high school, and um, my my family's always been big movie buffs. So we went to see it together. We had seen Saving Private Ryan earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of good conversations about that one. So that was in '98. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so it was summer '98, and then January of '99, we went to see this one. And um, I remember walking out of this film and saying to my family i that that was awful that was a terrible film <laughs> and that i that i hated it like i really honestly just did not like this movie when we walked out and then we went to lunch and i didn't say a word apparently i was absolutely silent for the entirety of lunch barely <laughs> ate anything and then at the end of lunch i was like oh my gosh that is the best movie i have ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and um and and that that kind of solidified for my family the fact that I'm absolutely insane uh but but uh but it really was that's that's what this movie's that's what this movie can do to you. You walk away and you're like, that wasn't a war movie, and then you realize no, it was so much more than a war movie it was so much so much deeper of a philosophical moment than than just watching you know big explosions on a screen and um you know and i've I've always kind of taken war movies with that grain of salt like yeah. if you're watching a war you need to take a deeper meaning away from it but i would never had one like really completely embrace that and and make me walk away with that uh sense of thinking about things and i think that's what really bothered mm-hmm. me about it at first is that it 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 was uncomfortable it like, didn't it ask really, your permission exactly it didn't <laughs> at all like there was there was no permission asked and it was and and then the more you thought about it, the more you processed it, the more every single tiny little thing about that movie, it was so frustratingly uh, just poignant. Like yeah. everything told a story uh, down to the yeah. casting down to where, uh, you know, where certain actors were placed throughout the story. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and to this day, it's my it's my absolute favorite movie. It is a, a <laughs> it is a movie I will go back to and talk about when I when I'm really, really evaluating a movie and how it's been put together. I'll go back to Thin Red Line and say, how does it compare to that?
1: Wow. Well, yeah, and I, I echo a lot of what you guys said. I mean, I, I, it was funny because in the research for for the show here tonight, I, I didn't realize that Saving Private Ryan and Thin Red Line started. Uh, production the same month too. Like they both started in June 97. Um, so they were kind of intertwined, I think in the marketing. And I, I don't remember exactly when I saw it. It was within the first few months that it came out. Um, or, or maybe I rented it you know, early 99. Um, I was in ninth grade. Um, and so it was, of course, this is, you know, before nine eleven. this is, you know, for me, like I'm getting into high school and I'm starting to think about, Uh, you know, maybe the military, you know, military uh, family in in different ways. And so all these things are on my mind. And uh, I had seen Saving Private Ryan. And then I saw the commercials for The Thin Red Line. And I really think the marketing of it didn't help it in that regard. Because I just what I remember, at least, is that it's like, oh, man, this is going to be like the Pacific Theater Saving Private Ryan. And you go to it and it starts off and it's like an alligator swimming in a (laughs) river and like trees and you know like what's this war you know <laughs> like yeah okay how long is this gonna take so i you know yeah but i i very much was was kind of riveted throughout it i remember because it was not what i expected so i think i was i was paying more attention to it in a sense because i was so surprised um and then it's it's one of these like you guys have said like the more i've watched it the more i've gone back to it at different phases uh now i'm not A big grain of salt here uh, from what or caveat, I should say, what I'm about to say here. I'm not putting it on the same level as sacred scripture, but the similarity that just as with like, I think, scripture, even with just good literature, when you revisit it at different times, you know, your life, different phases of your vocation or different moods you're in, how it can be a totally new experience every time. This is like that for me. And there's not many movies that do that. Um, so that's why I really wanted to explore this, you know, and do a a whole show on it. So uh, why don't we just go ahead then and shift into, since, you know, we've all mentioned some of the, um, aspects of, you know, um, it's, it's effect on us initially. Why don't we dig in a little bit more to maybe going around here and and I'll start with you this time, Thomas, as far as just anything, you know, really you want to share on the, the look of it, the feel, the aesthetic, um, you know whether it was how you initially saw it or just overall your collective experience of it, what really stands out to you? You know, maybe specific shots or just anything like that. You know, what really sets it apart. Uh,
2: I the the shot that I remember is the um the shot when they're first uh, attacking the, the gun emplacement, and there's three guys that run up the hill, and the gun gun goes off, and you see them get shot, and the camera immediately defocuses off of them, and there's this beautiful blue butterfly flying between them and the and the shot and it's that contrast of the red and the blue oh yeah and you know it's like it's perfect terrence malick it's it's perfect like i didn't know it at the time because i'd never seen another terrence malick film i didn't know anything about him this was like the first exposure i had to him but that moment to me kind of just encapsulated the whole movie and you know i talk about this movie a lot with a lot of people and they're like why did you even like that movie and, and i'm trying to explain to him you know what, like what, what it is about this movie and it's it's one of those things that's impossible to explain, but at the same time, it, you can sum it up with just one scene like that. And there's so many of them in this movie that are, you know, the, the, the moment where they're moving through the jungle. And then all of a sudden they come out of the jungle into the clearing that's been just torn down to make uh, make place for uh, a camp. And it's brown and barren and gross and horrible after you've just come out of this green, lush beauty. Right. And, and they're like, that's the whole, the, the movie just keeps slamming you with these uh, with these images like that. And so that's what I talk about a lot is like that, that concept of what the thin red line meant. And I think that's something that uh, Terrence Malick went and played with was what is the thin red line? And he has got, he's got so many in this movie. There's so many mm-hmm. spaces where there's just this very tiny sliver between us being civilized human beings and us being horrible, uh, you know, prehistoric man. And then there's the... The nature versus destruction and Mm. uh, the you know, just all of them. And and we'll probably talk about a lot more of them as we go through. But that that was one that really struck me. And then the other thing that struck me walking away from it was the the casting, because I know he had, uh, you know, since then, I've learned that he had people like knocking down his door trying to get in this movie. But the interesting thing to me was like the biggest names in the movie had the smallest roles. right? Yes. Until you until you like step back and then you look at what those small roles were. And it's like the small roles were all of the the higher up ranking people. And they're the people that you're going to know in the history books. And so <laughs> then, like, you know, I've like gone back through and looked at that. And it's like, OK, it's even even the ones like, uh, you know, Woody Harrelson uh, with his with his moment where he like saves the whole platoon by jumping on the, the grenade that he had pulled and hadn't hadn't managed. Right. That That's a story that gets told. And so it's a person that gets remembered. And so all of those big names that are going to go down in history, those were played by big name actors. Yep. And then the guy that's going to be completely forgotten, the guy who we see be AWOL at the very beginning, is a complete no-name at the time. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because <Jim>, yeah, <laughs> he's become very big since then. But uh, no Cameron one knew he like, would be Jesus. Nobody knew but- <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he was, but, but nobody knew him at the time. He was right. completely, he was a completely unknown actor at the time. Yep. But he was the, you know, the crux around the whole, which the whole movie was built. Oh,
1: and they said, too, you know, that Adrian Brody and, and I've never really watched his reaction to it. I've heard other people talking about it. But his character in the book, as I understand it, uh, Corporal Fife was supposed to be like the central kind of character. And I was going into it this time. I, I had heard some of that backstory about about him I hadn't known before. And so I was really paying extra close attention to like speaking parts. And I, I think he says like two or three things. Um, and, and I think one of them is, is a, you know, him standing next to to dead bodies. And you don't even see him talking and he's just looking and it's really well done. Like he's looking and you can see he's just so agitated and nervous and, and you know, just being around them. And it's like a voiceover of a conversation he's having with another soldier, like some other time about how do you stand being around bodies and, you know, but I was like, man, like. I guess the story is he got to like the premiere, you know, before he found out that his his role had been cut to almost like nothing. <laughs> so Yeah. Um so that that kind of stuff, you know, the 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 controversy that always in one way, shape, or form seems to surround a Malik film is certainly you know in the production of this. But uh, Andrew, but what about you?
0: Yeah, I mean if I would pick a uh I don't know, a scene or a or a shot that has stood out for me is is definitely um uh with Jim Caviesel's character, uh, Witts Death, I think his That scene, um, you know, first of all, the tension was uh, like malleable. I mean, just when he's surrounded by the Japanese soldiers, um, you know, you're then you start to realize that, you know, they don't want to kill him. They just want him to surrender. Mm. You know, you you don't understand what they're saying, obviously, you know, if you don't speak Japanese. But then you kind of get the sense of what's what's really happening. And then and then it's sort of that back and forth It's like oh is he going to get out of this mm. and then you kind of see him you know slowly just coming to peace with you know his his death i mean this is kind of something that's foreshadowed throughout the whole film you know uh, with his character kind of you know, know knowing that there's an afterlife like having that belief and, and 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 having some sort of connection like you know he mentions many times that he's seen the other side mm. right so um uh, all that just, just kind of encapsulated in the, in this scene, you know, coming full circle to where he, 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 he accepts his fates and, and, and then it immediately cuts to, um, you know, a dreamlike sequence of him, you know, swimming in, in the water with, uh, right. you know, uh, you know, like in the beginning of the film, you know, uh, when, when he's just coexisting with, you know, with people that, um, uh, you know, he wasn't supposed to necessarily supposed to be coexisting with. Um, and, and, and the, for me that you see the contrast, you know, immediately it's like a smash cut and there's tons mm. of scenes like this in this film. And a lot of, of T- Terry's films is, you know, instead of showing the gruesome nature of, of his death and, 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 and the war in general, um, you know, Terry makes uh, the decision lots of times to just cut to a beautiful shot of nature or, or, or showing nature suffer, you know, two and it's, right. um, so, uh, for me, that was just, just stunning. And it was just a different take. I mean, you, you obviously, w- f- this movie is always compared to saving private Ryan because of, you know, a lot of what we mentioned, uh, it coming around the same time, um, you know, saving private Ryan, you know, was like the complete 180 of that. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, um, uh, interesting, you know, to, uh, saving private Ryan is one of my favorite films as well. Um, so, Uh, for very different reasons, obviously. Um, but yeah, that scene is really impactful. And, and, and another, and another scene too, that, that really, that's always buried in my mind when I think of this film is just when, uh, when he comes face to face with the, that, the dead Japanese soldier in the, the dirt like that, that was this, you know, and then it, it's, it was talking to him and, (laughs) you know, that whole scene in general was, (laughs) was, uh, it was creepy. It was, it was, uh, you know, beautiful in its own way and it was just um something to behold um and it you can go on and on about the imagery in this film uh as we will but those are the two that stand out for me
1: yeah and and that's you know it's so interesting because with that scene and I, I, of course it's i didn't know where it would come up but that was in my notes too with, with him and that soldier um, you know, the dead Japanese soldier, who again, in, in this scene, he's he's basically buried like under mud, and, like you just see enough of his face to make out features. And it's in there's smoke, you know, so there's all this obscuring. And I, you know, with the conversations where they don't actually show people speaking to each other, it's this kind of, you know, dialogue going on. I always, every time I watch it, it's, there's something in the back of my mind that's kind of like, where is this conversation taking place? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of just a cool and, you know, that's a question. There's no, answer to from the film i mean the movie raises more questions than it gives answers that's the Mm -hmm. point of it is it true i heard somewhere that malik taught philosophy at mit for years something
0: yeah that's what i read i I wouldn't uh, be
1: surprised um (laughs) you know but um but i should say just a real quick word here on um maybe a little more plot stuff you know just again it's it's tricky it's not a real kind of linear you know obviously linear plot but basically you know you you get the the build up to these guys moving in and there's all this tension, you know, as as they're going in to kind of take on this next phase of this battle. um And so it, it was a good it was further than I remembered into the movie before the actual like battle starts. I mean, it's it's uh, I want to say it's close to like an hour, almost 45 minutes to an hour into it before you really start getting any shooting. And for me personally, this time around, even knowing it's coming, um I just thought that was brilliant from a standpoint of like building up the anticipation for that, you know, so it really brings you into kind of their questions and their fear and their relationships. And so by the time that starts, I felt, you know, this time more than ever, almost like a member of this unit. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I haven't seen 1917 yet, but I've heard, I know it's a very different kind of movie, but I've heard that they pull that off similarly for just a different kind of technique, but that that can be a very effective, you know, um, sort of tactic as well, you know, just from a visual storytelling standpoint. Um, and, and maybe what we could, if you guys don't mind, we could kind of get into some of these these themes because they've been coming up um, no particular order. But I kind of picked a few out and and just that I knew would probably come up. And one of them, of course, is the big one that uh, seems to show up in quite a few Malick films of nature and grace uh, or, or possibly mm-hmm. nature versus grace with like a question mark. Like, is it versus grace, you know, and um, I'll just mention one thing, you know, I noticed and then, you know, um, kick it over to you, Thomas, just to sort of maybe continue this here. But when Lieutenant Colonel Tall, one of my favorite characters is Nick Nolte. Um, and consequently, um, so he's having an argument and I can never remember how to pronounce his name. It's Casey Jones from the original Ninja Turtles movie. Is, is it Elias <laughs> or Elias? I, uh, Woody Harrelson pronounced it Elias, but it, Elias, I think it's is so. it? OK, yeah. but it's, it yeah, looks like so. a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think he's of I think he's of Greek ancestry. I'm pretty sure. And that's a big part of his character in the movie, at least. Um, but, uh, he's, they're having this, this sort of argument over the, uh, the radio as, as the, the battle's progressing and Nick Nolte's character is the battalion commander and Captain Staros, you know, he's this, uh, uh, company commander and tall played by Nick Nolte, is telling him to, you know, just get up there, go, 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 go. And. Uh, meanwhile, you know, the captain's like, I, we can't, we can't do this. This is suicide. And you just feel it's so uncomfortable and he's there and he like, there's this pause and he just says, you know, I refuse to follow your order. And I can't like, I can't rewind and watch that scene enough because the look on Nick Nolte's face and he's, he's all grizzled and angry and he's all like scowled up and there's all the wrinkles on his forehead. And I don't know how he does it, but he just, the way he completely ceases and just like slips back into this unbelievably astonished, dumbfounded, like, I can't believe that this captain just told me no. Yeah.
2: You it's, see the soldier. It's you see incredible. The soldier completely drop away. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that, that. seems amazing because you, you <laughs> see that. And, and that's one of the things that, they, that really gets played up a lot is these characters are all they, they have a, an element to them that's not the war. Right. And, and, you know, and that we, we see that with the main character, you know, being AWOL at the beginning and being drawn back in and his complaints about not wanting to be part of the war. We see that start there. But you see with all of them that they are they're conflicted about what they're doing and about what their identity is. And so right. they have this mask that they put on. That's the soldier mask. And that moment's so great because you really do just see like this, this guy that's that's taken aback. Like he's like, that, that doesn't happen here. Like, that's yeah. not, I'm, I've got my, I've got my soldier face on. That's not supposed to, they're supposed to do what I say. And and suddenly he's not a soldier anymore. And you really do like, it just completely drops. And I think almost all of the characters have one of those moments at some yeah. point in the film. You well, know, like where you're, the big ones at least.
1: Well, and not, not only that, but too, because I, I and that's a really good point because I hadn't thought of it quite that way. But he, you know, he, he's like probably the most, you know, like tough and your face and grizzled and hard the whole way through. But you have that it's short, but that moment with him where he's like whittling, you know, and off to the side. And he very deeply like you can see the pain and the the you know, he's he doesn't full out sob, but like you can see he's right on the edge and like mm-hmm. no one sees it. He's off to the side. We see it. And it makes me wonder looking back on it like he's so intense and everything. But he understands that that this captain disobeying an order in combat is a very serious thing and i almost mm-hmm. feel like it's i could be wrong in this but i almost feel like the way he goes about it he kind of gets quiet and he's like he doesn't yell anymore for a second he's like this is a very important decision you're making son it's almost like he's he's like like hinting to him like yeah. um you, you shouldn't do this yeah. you know this <laughs> is going to get you in big trouble you know and then he kind of yells again but there is that you know that's that deeper level to him and you you're right we see that with all these other characters what, Andrew, what do yeah. you think about just with nature versus grace or nature and grace? You know, in in as far as that theme goes.
0: Yeah, I think you know in this film it, it's, it, you know, it's it, it really the what the connection that I see is like you're you're, see, you're you're seeing the shots of nature like they're you're in a they're in a jungle basically. I mean, literally they are. And then you're seeing, you know, the shots of 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 them. You know, immersed in this, uh, you know, atmosphere, and then the shots of you know animals and trees and all that. Um, you know, not this, not to make it too simplistic, but it's like you know, life is a jungle sometimes, right? So <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's really, yeah. It, and 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 you know, what what I always go back to is is one of the last lines of the film, and and uh, I forget how it exactly goes, but you know, the, that monologue at the end you know, where it's, you know, he's saying darkness and light, are they just, you know, are they this, uh, features on the same face? Right. Right. So it's like, is nature like, you know, the question being posed, obviously it's not one that the film's trying to answer, but it's just bringing up is like, is it, is nature just in its nature is, you know, meant to destroy itself and, you know, to destroy others or, you know, uh, or is it vice versa? So it's, it's really, Mm -hmm. I think the, the, that's the the biggest question being asked is is that is there you know a a bigger hand at play whether it's god or you know just the universe you know whatever you know you want to believe um uh you know or is it uh really in you know just a matter of you know chance Uh, Mm -hmm. does everything just happen for no reason at all um uh so i to me that that those are the the big things that jump out um as far as uh the relationship between nature and uh what what the movie is trying to tell with its uh, characters
1: well and I always felt too like you know it it's it's not you know th- like there's plenty of, of kind of i don't i never want to say pro war but but there's plenty plenty of more like sympathetic you know or like like more patriotic kind of war movies if you want. And then there's there's movies that are just very like anti-war bash, Like anyone who would have anything to do with one is just you know just don't even you know the cancel culture almost kind of thing. Like don't even you know take that person seriously. What I really personally find interesting about this is I just always felt like this movie's so honest. It it doesn't shy away at all from the fact that like this thing we call war just shouldn't exist, and it's mm. like obvious and and perhaps more obvious to the people in it. You know, who right. has to go do it than anybody else. Um, but, you know, and, and it's I, I like I don't think that he's saying that there's no right or wrong, you know, that everything's just gray. But but I, I always get the impression that it's like this is really a complicated mess. And that's what all the questions right. are for. And so I think what he makes a good point here through a lot of these monologues, especially I, I i was I think it seemed like it was more than I remember being through this the kid uh, private train who you don't even see much in the movie. But has a mm-hmm. lot of the narrating and he's kind of like a you don't know what what denomination, but he has a first John four four tattoo, you know, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And he's talking about God and stuff every now and then. But he points out this war at the heart of nature, you know, that there is there's like a tension in nature. There's that that life and death. And, you know, there is some violence, like the colonel points out, you know, look at those vines consuming, you know, so. um. So, yeah, I know where I'm going with that, but but I think it's it's just there is it's it's a very complex textured kind of question. Uh, that's not yeah. just something you can easily answer, you know.
2: Well, and I think it's it's interesting, too, to watch because th- there is that 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 parallel drawn between the destruction in nature and the destruction that is going on with the war. And it's, it's interesting when you watch it in the context of all of the destruction that's going on in the war is about uh, trying to control things mm. that are. Outside of our control, you know, and that's, uh, you know, they're they're trying to take this uh, this tiny island in the middle of a gigantic ocean, and by the end of the movie, they they've done it, and they but they still haven't finished, and there's there's a complete shift in the way that the battle's going by the end of the movie, and that that to me is just indicative of like the whole thing where you've got this everything that they touch is a mess, and I love the color palette in this movie too, mm-hmm. it's so beautiful because you know Saving Private Ryan was was great, but it was all very Bleak, very dark gray, blue, not a not a very exciting color palette. And it was it was designed to be that It was intended to be that way. Whereas this movie is very vibrant, extremely Mm -hmm. vibrant, you know, like almost too much. And then so every time you fall into those moments where you're like in the rat holes or you're in the um, you know, you're in the the camps, the brown just stands out. Right. Because it's so, so dull and it's so, so bad. It it doesn't work with everything else that's going on. And, um, you know, that, and you just see that you see that 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 contrast between nature might be destructive, but it's not so destructive that it tries to control everything and just flattens everything that exists. It's almost right. The the generation of nature is in that destruction, that cycle that it goes through, whereas the war is it, it's a cycle, but it's not it's not a, a generative cycle. It's a, a degenerative cycle.
1: Right. Like there's a not to, you know. You know make too fine a point of it, but you know there's there's a resurrection, like it's like a built in resurrection motif you know in the fabric mm-hmm. of nature itself, and it's like is that to be found in war, you know, or is exactly. this thing coming from the other guy you know <laughs> so to speak yeah. um and and yeah um well, and let me just i I'll, I'll throw this this next one how do you guys? San and this is maybe people have seen by now here's this thin red line right um uh, which apparently is, is also a line in the jo- uh, the jones book originally said they discovered the thin red line that divides the sane from the mad and the living from the dead and like you guys like we're on that razor edge the whole way through it so how about that sanity and sanity any thoughts about that as portrayed through the movie
0: yeah i mean uh, uh the uh, another big thing a big theme is is, is identity and and And, you know, each character, I mean, big or small in this film, uh, is, you know, is sort of struggling with it because they're trying to make sense of, you know, everyone's trying to make sense of, of like where they're at and, and because they're, they're, they're in war and, you know, the human mind has to try and justify what's going on. Even though war doesn't seem to make sense, you know, most of the time it's, it's chaotic. It's, it's ruthless. It's merciless. Um. And it it's is just uh, flat out brutal. But so, but you know, ma- mankind can't help but try and and sort it, sort that through in, in their own mind. And I think that's the that's what we get. And in, in a lot of these, you know, monologues, we're taking a deep dive into everyone's you know conscience and 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 like trying to understand where they're you know where they're coming from. You know, obviously, you have the the main characters each have a different you know you have know wit who's coming from more of a you know spiritual optimistic sort of you know uh perspective and um sean Penn's character is more cynical and uh you know nick nolte's character is more uh, you know just worried about power uh, you know and and so it's but all that goes away when when you're faced with death i mean you you can you can believe in anything you want but like at the end of the day once if you're faced with death it's like okay what's ultimately going to be you know your uh um, your belief system you know what's wh- how what's your ration going to be and 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 i think that's the that's honestly the 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 biggest theme of the film is and why there's so many characters i think is is just to show as many different facets of that as possible mm-hmm. i think that's what terry was trying to do and i and i like that it's
2: not just one you know we don't get right. just one perspective because it's not that it's it's not okay to have just one perspective in this situation because there, there's so many different ways to respond to it and you right. see so many different responses to the to that same situation when confronted with death what how do we how do we do how do how do we act how do who do we become yeah. uh and, and and i think that like the return to um to the native peoples when uh when uh when wit's character goes back when, when goes back to the um the native peoples and he can't reassociate with them the way he did at the beginning of the movie. Right. Uh, You see that it's not it's not them that's changed, but it's him. And uh, and he's he's struggling with that because he doesn't feel like he's changed. He doesn't feel like he's changed at all. And, and, you know, as viewers, we don't really see a, a tremendous change in him, but something has altered in him. Like there's there's some lingering effect from being around the death and being part of the death that that changes who he is when he tries to go back to them. And by the end of the movie, you know, he's able to reclaim some of that. I I feel like his character, yeah. you know, when he comes back to that peaceful moment, he's able to reclaim that uh, disassociation with death. Uh, but but it, it comes at a very high cost for him.
1: And I find it really interesting, too, that he you know, when we first see him for the first few scenes of the movie, you know, and part of it's just because of the, the climate that he's in, too. But, you know, he's he's usually in his. Um, Like in his uniform, you know, bottoms and maybe his boots or maybe shorts, but he's always shirtless, you know. So there's always Mm -hmm. some kind of almost, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but but almost like an Edenic, innocent kind of nudity. And of course, the tribal Mm -hmm. people, for the most part, are are nude or at least to some degree, um, maybe getting at some of that notion too, like the innocence. And when he goes back, he's not, you know, he's fully clothed. He has his rifle, and there's it's just interesting. It's like here's this this thing I've put on. That that are you know signs of some you know signs of some sort of distance between us that that wasn't there before you know and the kid doesn't want him to you know be close to him and all that kind of stuff um which which reminds me by the way because probably the some of the biggest themes here for for us certainly on this program would be some of these ones with faith right you know and and faith and hope versus sort of doubt despair um and like you were saying Thomas what I really find it interesting is it's not just that there's not just um one perspective shown but but even characters who are for the most part through the movie a particular way or filling a kind of a you know role in that um they'll go back and forth you know Mm -hmm. um and i just wanted to bring up i I want to spend a little time maybe on uh, sergeant welsh you know sean penn's character we mentioned a few times because i find him one of the most intriguing because i i just the more i watch it i don't i don't think he's quite what you think as you watch it entirely because so for those who haven't seen the movie, he's he's the first sergeant um of the of the company, you know kind of the head sergeant for the company, and he's the one who kind of you know you first see him when he's he's brought Witt, Jim Caviezel's character back to the brig, you know like from his A wall, so he's kind of you know um you know this this sort of tough big brother almost kind of character, um and then you kind of see they have this tension between the two of them that, that really kind of goes through most of the movie of you know uh sergeant welsh is the sort of jaded um he says at one point you know um the captain says he wants to give him a commendation i can't repeat how he says it here cuz there's some language but he says um you know he says you know you you you, you say one thing about me in your orders i'll resign my command and your commission leave, you know leave you here to run this outfit yourself and then he just yells out exasperated he's like property you know the whole thing's about property and he just storms off um and so he has this it, seemingly just jaded you know he's he keeps a distance from everybody he seems like he's kind of you know tough and weathered but i feel like there's other characters he encounters and we encounter who are far more actually jaded and hopeless mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff than he is um and so i think what do you guys think about that maybe i just want to throw that out there like do you see that in him like that there's part of him that like wants to believe maybe even though he never says it
0: yeah definitely i think you know his relationship with the uh you know, Witt's character, um, you know, kind of gives you an answer to that. I mean, cause yeah, he comes off as this, you know, pragmatic, you know, very, you know, again, cynical, you know, pessimist, but he, he really is, he really has compassion for his, his, uh, his soldiers and, and, um, you know, he's, he's altruistic and, and he, I mean, he was very, I mean, he was sad when Witt died and, and he showed that sadness and, uh, you know it, it, like you were saying it, not everything uh he wasn't what he appeared to be on the surface uh and and uh, and i think you know a lot of times you know people who 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 give off that that sort of cynical uh you know vibe are, it's it's really just very s- s- surface level you know they're really mm-hmm. trying to hide their insecurities and mm-hmm. and or, or or you know ultimately hiding like what they you know people can't stand what they don't know. And he doesn't have the questions, you know, the answers to all the questions he has about life. And, and, you know, seeing someone like, like what's character have an impact on him, you know, seeing how, you know, seeing someone who's just so sure that they're that, you know, of, of, of what they believe in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is, is probably something that he's obviously seeking and, and, and wants. Um, and um, I, I think that's, uh, you know, th- at least my interpretation of of what he was sort of going through uh, as a character. Yeah. I think we also get the advantage with Welsh of having the sort of
2: narrative voiceover that folds his character in on itself. Mm. So he might be very jaded throughout the movie, but at the same time, by the end of it, you, we get that kind of re-editing of himself uh, where he's looking back over all of this stuff. And, and, it all, it, and that's, that's the weird thing about this movie is like trying to pick what the perspective is that it's being told. <laughs> right. From or it the time so frame. It, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's Ter- Ter- Terrence Malick. And uh, that is just that's kind of the way he does his stuff. But, um, but you know, and, and it's based on a book. And the book had a definite uh, narrator. But this the movie doesn't the movie. We, we don't even know half the time whether the conversations really happened or if they were just right. the conversations that happened inside the person's head. And um, and so I think some of it, when you when you look at it with the perspective that this is kind of Welsh going back and telling his story. Yeah. Uh, throughout the whole movie from afterwards. That's what we I thought. Yeah. Him, uh, you know, you see you see him growing into himself and like kind of going back and going, yeah, you know, I, I felt that. But I really had a deeper uh, sense of who all of these guys were. And and so, you know, it's you, you get those two. You get a post Welsh plus a current contemporary Welsh and both playing off at the same time. Yeah. And it's really kind of fun to see that, uh, you know, not knowing where they are in the timeline with what they're saying, but having a full perspective of that person. And then the, the contrast to that is wit who's uh-huh. completely locked in that time period because he dies. Right? Right. And that's, he does not have a retrospective moment of himself because his story is encapsulated in what we see from the beginning moment to the end and and that's that and that's all we get of him because that's that's who he is in this in this frame of um, in this frame of reference that we have
1: well and it's interesting too because i was um i was thinking about you know another character who's who's not one of the main ones i had to look him up because i didn't even yeah you know, i think the only time i saw his name mentioned was when he said something off screen and i had the captions on you know so sergeant <laughs> sergeant macron played by uh, that's john savage i think um who's an interesting character because he's when you first see him, like it's just this horrible, it's like when the battle's just started, they're moving up this hill and you're just in the chaos. And yeah, you, you just sort of in passing see this guy who's who's laying there and you think he's dead, and there's another, like, really like intense sergeant over top of him, and he's yelling at him, and he's like, Get up, you're still alive. You know, it's just like this this real driven, you know, he so he seems at first when we first meet him, like one of these, oh, he's like one of the really tough guys. Then like next time you see him, he's like coming down the hill and he's like a little loopy and he's picking up the grass and throwing. He's like, this is us. This is us. This is all we are. You know, and then he's like, don't touch me. Don't touch Mm -hmm. me. I'm leaving. You know, and they're all like, "Okay, let him let him go. (laughs) Like get him back to the rear, you know, and then you see him again and he's sitting there and like he's he's freaked out, I think, maybe earlier too, to trying to read his own name on his dog tags. So, you know, you see all this like the fear and the insanity, temptation, all that kind of stuff or, or, you know, what makes that happen. But then when it's like quiet later. I I don't know if this is fair to almost in a way it reminds me of Jeremiah, like just this, like the weeping prophet, the one who's really like letting it all out, you know, and he's there by himself on the hill they were fighting on earlier that day. And he's standing up just kind of screaming kind of to God. Right. You know, like, why can I they all had to die? Why I can stand right here and no one's shooting at me. And I, I I really like that. And I don't know if most people would really take that away as as like a. A, a, a meditation almost for faith. Um, but I think for those who like in our faith or whatever faith, you know, um, are sometimes tempted to think that it's, it's all about never questioning God, you know, and I just kind of mm-hmm. white knuckle it and just, I have faith. Faith is a gift, but it's also something we have to work on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, what do you guys think about that? Like maybe some characters, maybe you noticed where they're, maybe they're not like pure as the wind driven snow. Cause nobody is, but like they're, mm-hmm. There's a struggle that they show that that really kind of is a good example. You think I'm putting you on the spot, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta,
0: yeah, you yeah, go back
2: through. And think, which which character was it that had that gets the letter from his wife? Oh, um, Bell. Yeah. Oh Belle.
1: Belle. yeah, yeah. Jeez, that uh, was yeah. dirty. So Dude, <laughs> like, brutal. And, but, and, but
2: that's and that's one of those moments yeah. that like you you see the human behind the uniform, mm-hmm. and 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 there were, and that's another one where, where you know, like the, the soldier drops, the soldier's gone at yeah. that point. And it's just the guy there. And it's amazing because a lot of them do it really well where where they go from being the man in uniform to just this kid yeah. who's dressed up playing soldier. And, and the actors do such a good job of really pulling that out. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was another moment where that kind of that same kind of thing happens. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, these poor guys. And then you remember, you know, they're all they're all very young. A, mo- a majority of them, yeah. you know, especially the the privates, uh, all very young guys. Uh, so that's you're really you really are seeing kids mm. in in uniform that are playing soldier, and they're having to be serious about it. And then all of a sudden, they just get get it dumped on them that that it's not the reality that they were there for. Mm. Um, and you know, I, they they tried to do that in Saving Private Ryan too, and and I know you know we keep comparing these movies, but but it's a good thing to to do, I think, is to like yeah. look at the two of them. And there there were some spots where they tried to do that in Saving Private Ryan, but I don't think they ended up being as effective at it because um, it always had to come back to the heroism of war mm-hmm. in Saving Private Ryan, whereas in this movie, there's no there's no heroism to it. You know, there's I mean, there are there are definitely some men that that do heroic things, right but the war itself is not heroic and and no heroes are made from the war the heroes were already there they just happened to be in this stressful situation and the hero came out you
1: know and and sometimes they were the most surprised which right.
2: which does yeah, happen
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly
2: well and and yeah. i think that's that was the beauty of this movie but yeah. the turn of that is that it doesn't have like you were saying it doesn't have any negative commentary to it that says um you know, all of these people are awful, right? Because that's, that was the really beautiful thing about it is that it it really gave that very balanced perspective of not being anti-war in the sense that like all of these humans individually were awful, right? But that the whole situation is just really, really bad. And it, and it tests these, these people to such a, a, a point that they have to become something other than who they would be. Right. If they weren't in that situation.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, again, going back to private Bell's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you just see like his, you know, his wife is, is like his, his North star. I mean, right. his, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, <laughs> everything, you know, he just fantas- fantasizes about her all the time and, and like, has this, this uh, idea in his head that, you know, he's, he's going to go get back to her and he's, and he's doing this, you know, to for her and to provide for her and, and their future family. But, you know, that letter just, you know, kind of honestly, uh, changes things. Um, and, um,
1: it's, by the way, it's, for those who haven't seen it, it's literally a dear John letter. Like we didn't know his name. We just know it's bell. And then the letter is literally like dear Jack and like, Oh (laughs) my gosh, no, (laughs) like,
0: yeah, no brutal. Um, and, and yeah, and then, you know, yeah, I know the film doesn't, I mean, the film doesn't answer like, you know, how he kind of pulled through, pulls through it, but, um, but yeah, you kind of, you kind of see like, again, to the what I was saying earlier, you know, everyone has their little, um, sort of motivation or something they need to cling on to. And, and then when that goes away, you know, what happens? And, and, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I, I think that, you know, again, going back to this, uh, idea of like, there's no, you know, there's no winner in a war. Uh, it, it's, you know, yeah, the Americans win that battle in the end. Um, but they you know, Terry makes the decision of not showing any images of victory. I mean, he's showing both sides and both sides just look defeated. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. um, yeah, I think that's, again, just pounding on those themes and, 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 uh, not letting up and, and yeah, there's no winner and there's no right or wrong. And, you know, we could, we could say it over and over again, but that's, that's really, uh, that, that's, that's really what, you know, I think he, the message he's trying to convey.
1: Well, and, you know, I was thinking I mentioned you guys beforehand. I wanted to maybe throw this out there at least, but uh, something I didn't anticipate before just kind of prepping today uh, a little bit more. But, uh, you know, it, it, Bishop Barron has really made um, lately, I think, you know, Thomas Aquinas sort of exploration of of the four kinds of modes that we tend in our fallen nature to try to pursue fulfillment and happiness as, you know, wealth, pleasure, power and honor uh, or honor, you know fame or glory, you know. And what hit me was. I think all of these, interestingly enough, show up uh, in different ways to the movie. And this is just I mentioned a few here. Like, I think Welsh, for example, whether or not it's something they're seeking, I almost put it down as like a lens through which they're kind of interpreting it. You know, so Welsh, I was thinking like the wealth thing, you know, of like to him, that property line again. Right. For him, the whole thing, Uh. it's just property. And it's it's it, it throws that out there. It's like, well, is it? Though you know like he certainly mm-hmm. thinks that, but maybe he's wrong, or maybe that's not the whole thing. You know, but that's that's where he's stuck, right? Like it's just about people taking stuff, and that's really hard. He can't get past that, and how wrong that part of it would be. You know, um, pleasure, the pleasure and power ones. I thought Private Dale we didn't mention, and, and he's not a huge character, but so he's this guy. Like he's going around, and he's like, seems to be really enjoying the pain and suffering of the defeated soldiers he's even and mm-hmm. they don't really show it too ex- explicitly which is good i thought but he's even going around like with pliers like looking for gold fillings and stuff like pulling teeth out and and like collecting mm-hmm. them as souvenirs but then you see him in the pouring down rain like just shaking and haunted and he throws the teeth away and he's like rubbing his arms like he's trying to be like cleansed of it you know he, he it's on mm-hmm. him um and then this other guy you know sergeant queen who keeps having this real bad problem of shooting surrendered prisoners you know like this rage this power um but it never gets him and he always needs more you know he's the one i think who Mm -hmm. captures the alligator later like they're on leave at the end and he's like he's captured this this croc or this alligator whatever and then lastly the the honor you know lieutenant colonel tall right like nick nolte it's just so like i was passed over this is my war this is you know and and he's Mm -hmm. just seemingly so focused because he's in this hell and how does he make sense of it by trying to find the glory of it, right? Like the honor of it, the, the, we're going to, I'm going to get everybody all the awards I can get, you know? So I don't know if you guys want to see anything of any of that, but just, you know, uh, maybe kind of wrap up here, as far as like the some of the deeper meanings, um, anything in particular you guys think that might be, you know, like maybe real timely for us, I don't know, you know, now today, or just something that really is perennial with, with this, this film. That's, you know, maybe not just a war you know, like a war, and peace kind of commentary, but, but just life and sin, you
2: know, I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in your circumstances as the definition of who you are. And, and that's one of the things that I think this movie is really good about questioning is how much do your circumstances dictate who you are and who you can be? Uh, cause you, you know, you have that great, that great face off between, uh, between the, the, the lieutenant colonel and the captain who refuses to sacrifice his men. And it's for for one, it's a strategic maneuver. It's for the glory of being able to say we did it. It's that that's the whole purpose of doing it. And then for the other, it's well, I have to tell these men, go to your death. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and he could the captain could have just as easily said, okay, let's do it, and just rushed the uh, the the gun emplacement and and sacrificed as many men as it took, and just made a pile of bodies that allowed them to win. But he refused to do it because. He wasn't letting that that circumstance dictate uh who he was and how he treated his men, and that's something I think that we could you know you can really walk away from this movie and 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 take that lesson that that mm-hmm. yes, life is gonna throw some really horrible things at you,
0: but you don't have to let them define who you are yeah I mean I'll just echo everything that you just said and and what we've all been talking about i I think ultimately this the central theme of this film is. Is like is this uh, this idea of identity and making sure that you know you you really have to work on who you are, what type of person you are, um, and what you believe in, because when you're faced with your own mortality, when you, when you're in some existential crisis or you know whatever it may be, ev- everything just becomes pushed aside, and then it, usually it it comes down to well, are you going to overcome this or or if it's something you can overcome, you know, how are you going to accept your fate? You know, something mm. obviously, obvious like death. And I think the the film, again, does a good job of offering different opinions on that. It's offering different perspectives and it's not giving you one or the other. Obviously, we we can look at it from our own Catholic perspective and 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 say that, yeah, hopefully if we're ever faced with that, any sort of situation like that, you know, we'll, we'll have enough faith to, you know, overcome it and, uh Accept God's will, but you know it's it's good for us to to see such an extreme version of that. You know, chances are, you know, none of us are going to be faced be in a position like that, where we're on enemy lines. is is just a way for all of us to kind of relate to a war film. Because unless you you were in service uh, or or you faced real action, it's it's hard to relate until you break it down to a you know a human level and 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 a, and a natural level that sure. that Terry likes to do mm-hmm. a lot. So uh, I think the emphasis of finding meaning in, in, in life and death, yeah, it sounds like a transcendent, maybe pretentious sort of thing to do as, in this sort of live in the present type culture that we live in. But it, it is an important question and, and hopefully more people try to ask it and, and come to their own uh, realizations.
1: Like we said at the beginning, like we <laughs> with Thomas, you know, in that experience, we, we need more people sitting at lunch like, what just happened to me? <laughs> right. That's not right so well, let me let me ask you guys you got just you know a couple minutes left here just to kind of wrap up maybe you know i've mentioned earlier you know we already kind of talked about key takeaways but do you guys have any I, I hate to use the word practical but maybe to some degree like who who would you recommend this for who, who maybe not so much or not yet and then you know any kind of like you know the elevator pitch advice for like how to watch it to really prime yourself to get the most out of it uh when i i'll start with you andrew and then i'll well Kick yeah. over to Thomas, to wrap it up.
0: I would really recommend this to anyone. I mean, obviously, I mean, even though it's not as violent as, as a, you know, a lot of war films, uh, you know, he Terry's more, uh, he, he doesn't like to concentrate on on sort of the violence. There is there is some violence in the film, so I would be just wary of that as far as uh, showing it to, to younger uh, kids. But uh, I would say this is a, a film that doesn't get made anymore. I mean, it's almost three hours long right mm-hmm. so it's definitely i would watch it in one sitting pay attention it's, this is not like you know leave it on in the background and do other stuff right. but you got to mm. watch yeah, <laughs> yeah, watch the poor. film <laughs> I, you know i i would say you know if, if anyone who's watched the irishman recently you know that's like a movie you kind of have to I sit down for three that, hours yeah. and yeah and, and take in kind of just practice the same sort of thing with this film and, and and i would say don't go into it uh i think the movie's been out long enough, and obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you you're, you already got the sense that this is not a typical war film. So you're not expecting the Savor Private Ryan's uh, Black Hawk Down's of the world. You're you're right. this is a right. a visual poem, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and this is something that you you just need to uh, sit and think about. You know, uh, maybe have a discussion. You know, watch it with a loved one and have a discussion about it after. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to, to sort of digest this film. And, um, and I would also say uh, just on a surface level, if you're, j- if you're just a fan of a film and, and, a, and, a pre- and have an appreciation yeah. for cinematography and an appreciation for, I mean, we haven't even talked about the score. I mean, Hans Zimmer's score right. is, this, this <laughs> right. is, this is possibly his best work. And yeah. that's saying yeah. a lot. So uh, just as a pure film buff or film appreciation sort of thing just just go and watch it and just just if you want to just turn your brain off and just appreciate that it's it's good enough to just do that
1: yeah yeah Zimmer had a lot of experience before this but but I, from what I was reading to this really kind of seems to have put him on the trajectory of, of what he became you know he's got a lot of variety mm-hmm. but you know you think of like yeah. what you love from like you know Pirates of the Caribbean Dark Knight you know and, and any of those uh, you know big films and stuff and and really interestingly enough he did he's done a lot of films that have Japanese elements to it with the music, mm-hmm. which he doesn't have any formal training in. he's just an incredible <laughs> savant. Um, so this, I
2: think, uh, really began a lot of that. So, yeah. Well, Thomas, what do you have any any thoughts? I would say definitely a master class in how to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this, this is um, ev- everything about this movie is really just truly amazing. And um, I, can, I can see, you know, reading the stories about everybody that stuck around or that wanted to be involved or that was involved. Um, I can see why they want it to be, because what came out of this movie is just absolutely fantastic. And, uh, I don't know. It's so hard because I, I do recommend that you not watch this as a, a war film like that. I I definitely recommend that. But at the same time, um, you're robbed of the subversive nature of it. If you don't like think this came out the same year as saving private Ryan, it was marketed exactly the same as saving private Ryan. (laughs) And that's because that's when I went in, that's what I was expecting. And that subversion is what made this film so impactful to me. It was like I went in expecting a war film and I got this just beautiful visual piece of philosophy of depth uh, that, you know, I was not expecting. And so it was completely blindsided by it. And it's almost impossible to give someone that same experience now. Uh, but if you can try <laughs> as long as you know they're going to appreciate it, because that's the other thing I think is like you don't want to you don't want to have them sit down and think they're watching a war film and then go, well, it's just horrible and not actually think about it any more <laughs> than that. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but but if you can get somebody to sit and like, you know, if it's somebody that, you know, is going to think about it and say, hey, this movie came out the same year as Saving Private Ryan. It was built kind of the same way, just on the Pacific theater. Let's watch it. Uh, that's a good way to do it. Definitely not a popcorn movie. It's not one of those that you are going <laughs> to you know be super entertained by although it is a very good movie there's there's nothing wrong with the pacing everything moves very quickly um you do feel like you're a part of everything that's going on and amazingly it's only like one action that's like the whole movie is just one kind of one event that it focuses on uh but it's so detailed in the number of people that it covers and it keeps you interested and, you know, we've talked about a lot of different characters here, but you never really feel lost. You never right. feel like, oh, I, oh, who's this guy? Wait a minute. What's this one over here? You you, you really do feel each one of them is very unique yeah. has their own space in the the story and in the world. Um, so, yeah, it, sit, sit and watch this with somebody who who's going to appreciate it kind of as poetry. Um, if you're a person who's into Kurosawa films, I mm. definitely recommend this. It's got that same sort of like elevated feel to it where. Yeah, it might be about samurai, but it's about more than just the samurai. You know, and the same thing here. It might be about war, but it's about more than just the war. Yeah. And that's really what you need is to to if you want to prep somebody for it, that's what you want to tell them. <laughs> if, you, sure. if you don't want to prep them for it, then, you know, make sure that they that they're going to be able to appreciate it for mm-hmm. what it is.
1: I really feel like it's it's basically like the image I got was just the kind of closing image I had in my mind was like a prism, you know, that like, you know, there's just, the, you know, it's a war like you shine a war movie into it and it, you know, just. Turns into all this this incredible array, you know, of all these different themes and, you know, deeper meaning. So, yeah, well, here at the at, uh, we're nearing the end of our show here. and We want to take a moment to thank all of our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of movies and TV shows, including Sean, Mark, Alan, Melissa, Maché, and John. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Uh, also, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the list goes on, uh, and also the SQPN YouTube channel, so anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, to find previous episodes of secrets of movies and TV shows and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash secrets. You can email us at secrets at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media or on Twitter at sqpn. So until next time, Andrew Hermes, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of the Thin Red Line. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Thomas Sanherjo, thank you so much as well. It's been a pleasure. Once again, I'm Mike Creeby. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on StarQuest.